Welcome to the Bible Unbound podcast. Join us today for a live class discussion on the question, Is man a two-part being in his humanity, that is, body and soul-spirit, or is man three parts, a body, a soul, and a spirit? We hope you find this discussion interesting, and welcome to the Bible Unbound Live podcast. Right. So the only time we would ever be without a soul is when our body is planted in the earth and what's called the intermediate state, whereas Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the intermediate state, which is where we will exist, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So that realm will be our habitation until the resurrection day, the last day, the day of the Lord. And on that resurrection day, our new bodies, which are formed like Christ, will be rejoined to our soul. And in terms of the unredeemed and the damned, they're given a body with which they can now inhabit eternal hell. Now, concerning the question of the structure of man, is he three parts, body, soul, and spirit, a tripartite, or is he two parts, body and soul-spirit? Here's what I can say to that. Like, systematic theology uh, informs our doctrine, which we call anthropology, or the structure of man. And within that discipline of systematic theology, anthropology, the structure of man, is the controversy between is man a bipartite or a tripartite? That means, is he constructed of basically two elements or three elements? If he's two elements, then he is body and he is soul-spirit. If he is tripartite, then he is body, soul, and spirit. I wish it were that clean. It's not. If you hear anybody say, well, man's three parts, body, soul, and spirit, that's too clean. It's not that clean because the writers, of, of especially Paul, oftentimes uses soul, which is psuche, and spirit, which is pneuma, in the Greek, he'll use them interchangingly. And so you're going to kind of have a mess on your hands if you try to push the tripartite model too far. I mean, it works in preaching. It doesn't work in data, raw data. Well, there's all kinds of tactics that are employed to kind of illustrate the idea that the spirit is one thing and the soul is another um, Again, it's it's not that clean as it's presented in the scriptures, just this overlap and, and a twisting. What oftentimes has been done is that these these people who kind of split it into the bipartite or I'm sorry, tripartite model, uh, they'll say, Well, a man who's an unbeliever has a body and a soul. But then when he becomes a believer, God gives him a spirit, you know, the which is holy, which is perfect. You know, again, I wish it were that clean. It's not. Okay, there there you're going to get into what is the, the question of what is the interplay between soul and spirit, which is a lot more mysterious than the interplay between 
soul and body, or spirit and body, or soul-spirit and body. Uh, that one's a little cleaner, you know, we know, because you're dealing with a physical element, you're dealing with a non-physical, immaterial element in either soul or spirit. And we see how they separate and how they actually, in the resurrection, they come back together again, First Corinthians 15. But it's not so when you're talking about the interplay between soul and spirit. One illustration that used to be used was, well, they're like two dogs who live inside of you, and whichever one you feed the most is the one who will eat up the other one. So that if you're struggling with sin, if men are struggling with lust, uh, if you feed that black dog, the dark dog, he's going to grow and overtake. And, and you, the, the guy who once was vibrant in faith is all of a sudden going to be dull and set aside. And I'm not disagreeing with the result of that uh, reality, but I'm just saying we need to do a bit more exploration in terms of the interplay between soul and spirit. And that might be a good idea in the future if anyone wants to do the do the, do the study and present the results. Well, the same thing. Does does this inform that question at all? Verse five, which we didn't have time, we just skipped it. Verse five, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn, firstborn of the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth. Firstborn, the Greek is prototokos, first child. Does that speak into that question that Doug has? I just want to read one of the verses that's on your notes that to me kind of ties it up and brings the thing to a conclusion. Colossians 1, 15, 15, Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. The bottom line is Paul's view from Colossians 1, one of the highest Christological declarations anywhere in the Bible, and he is using, he employs the word firstborn, prototokos, twice in that context. And within that context, he also says Christ created everything. That includes devils and demons and angels and principalities. The whole kit and caboodle was created by Jesus. So obviously he was before all things. And then he ends the verse with saying, he is therefore the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have what? Preeminence. That's it. That's it. We're done. Okay, that's the meaning. We may not, it's like bipartite, tripartite, soul, body, spirit, you know, the confusion. Firstborn, confusion. In Psalms it says, and my firstborn is chief and king of the earth. That's the bottom line. Whatever you want to do, splitting hairs about the concept of prototokos, firstborn. Number one, you can't go where the Jehovah Witnesses go. Keep it orthodox. And within that, the bottom line is Christ is preeminent, period. That's it. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ being preeminent. 
He was the first to split the heavens and rise. This is what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. And given this incredible body, we follow. We follow. He is preeminent. We, his children, will follow. And be given a body, quote, like unto his. Well, thank you for joining with us on this live edition of the Bible Unbound podcast. We hope that you have a wonderful, blessed day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time.